What's up, motherfuckers? Episode 13. Uh, yeah, this is mostly a tech podcast, and we have covered a lot so far. Um, AI, analytics, streaming. Uh, but one thing we haven't covered was bloody sex work. Grr! So, I look, basically, I wanted to get an understanding of how tech has changed the sex industries. Uh, from cam girls to Pornhub. Like, has OnlyFans made things better for performers? Or is it just the same old exploitation framed by your shiny monitor? And, like, where is that technology headed? And why did I order Pale Ale instead of Punk IPA? Who better to answer those questions and more than artistic director of Sexquisite Events and co-organiser of the online strip club Cybertees, stand-up comic and burlesque performer Carmen Alley. Let's save that. There we go. Right. We are live on YouTube with how I'm, I'm struggling to th decide like how I should pronounce your last name. Is it Ali or Ali? Ali. Like Ali. Okay. So we've got Carmen Ali, um, a change to my scheduled um, programming uh, today because um, we were going to have uh, a guest on earlier to talk about um, her experience with um, OnlyFans and the shift um, uh, in all of the adult industries, actually, um, uh, that technology has, has uh, I don't want to say forced, but like technology has sort of served as the catalyst to sort of push adult entertainment industries into a, a different realm. And um, unfortunately, she couldn't be with us. Um, but we have Carmen Alley here who works in a very similar industry. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and like we've, I, I don't know, have we ever been on the same bill together? I don't know if we have. I don't think so. I think we've only met like online. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sort of aware of you because of like the Comedy Collective. I suppose I should um, mention that as well. So you, do you still run the Comedy Collective or? Yes, very reluctantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a sort of labour of love with an emphasis on the labour there. Yeah, I kind of just like let people get on with it now. I don't really stress too much about it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, so, um, you know, we're, we're aware of each other with that. And um, uh, and I had put messages out like last week saying I was keen to speak to anyone that worked within these industries. And your name came up. And thank you so much for stepping in at the last minute. Um, so I suppose a good place to start, really, would be to get an understanding of, like, your bio, like, your career. Um, let's start with the comedy stuff. So, like, f first off the bat, how did you end up? getting into stand-up so the reason i started doing stand-up is because i was actually already doing burlesque oh right okay burlesque is because oh let me turn those whatsapp notifications off because cool. i was working as a stripper and then i kind of saw burlesque and liked that as a kind of more performance element of striptease cool so i did strip in did burlesque and then when I was doing burlesque I kept doing variety nights where there were loads of comedians on and I was like oh this looks really fun maybe I could do that like yeah you get to talk I yeah like talk. um so I signed up for Jester Jesters if you can remember back yeah. in the day of my first gig there cool and seemed to remember people laughing yeah so that carried on really that was like oh my god that was like 2000 and I want to say 2011. Mm. Yeah. Well, 10 years ago. <laughs> so I was doing a bit of sort of like panic research uh, on you earlier 
and oh, really? um, I found an old interview that was about 2011. And you, in the interview, you said that you've been going about six months um, okay. and that you were loving it. And I thought, yeah, well, she could only have been about six months in then at that point. <laughs> yeah, that kind of like early baby comedian, like most tinted spectacles. Yeah, like when you still have friends that you can take to gigs and stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I that's... still love it in a different way now, I think. Yeah, like that's an interesting trajectory, though, because it's like... I suppose the assumption on my part, ignorant though it may be, was that you had gotten into stand-up, uh, really enjoyed performing, and then, you know, maybe at a cabaret show or something, someone had said, oh, you know, you should try this, this is good fun too, and then you'd kind of sort okay. of gone that route. But it's actually the opposite way around, right? Yeah, I went stripping, burlesque, comedy, stripping, burlesque, comedy, stripping, yeah. and now do all of them. So if that was like 20, like, I hope I'm not being too, uh, like, proby too early in this. But like, so how how did you just like get into stripping? Because that's like 10 years ago, right? You must have been pretty well, young. Um, when I was at uni, I was looking for a part time job and um, the strip club was there. Yeah. Some friends for one of the guy's birthdays. Mm. Um, I'd never been to a strip club before. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And this, you know, hot stripper came over. She was like, does anyone want to take me for a dance? I was like, yes, I will take you for a dance. <laughs> and I went, took her for a dance. And I was like, I could do this. Yeah. I might do this. So, and the rest is history. And is it like, I mean, I, I, I'll get onto the tech stuff in a little bit, but I'm like, I'm genuinely so curious. So like, is it as, is it as lucrative as, people make out is it like you know people kind of strip their way through university and then pay off all of their tuition fees and everything and they don't have to worry about rent for like is it that so for me like it was it was fairly consistent when I was at uni the club that I worked at and I was able to like pay my rent and have a bit of extra money which I wouldn't have been able to do with just my student loan um mm. and like I'd had a bar job before that and it just wasn't that good it would be like 40 pounds a week or something extra. yeah for like you know quite a few hours work and then went to the strip club and the first night I made like after house fee I made 110 pounds yeah which is like you know amazing for like six hours work yeah that's the thing um of course like everything is exaggerated so you know there are strippers who will earn thousands and thousands of pounds but that's not everybody and that's not every club like usually that would be a very kind of like um, top earning stripper in say like Platinum Lace or Stringfellows or something like that. But like the average strip club, mm. you might earn £50 one night, you might earn £100 one night, you might earn 200 or 300 one night, but it's it's kind of like up and down and it's like yeah. not lucrative as people think it is, but it can be if you have a good night. Yeah, yeah. So it's more a sort of case yeah. of like, it's like it just pays better than the other minimum wage jobs and you get to do it in a compressed amount of time. So then you've got the rest of the week free to focus on the things that you actually want to do. Yeah, but it is like risk and reward. So like you do take a risk by going to work because you have to pay your house fee. So it's like, whereas you might go to a minimum wage job and you're guaranteed that £40 for six hours, whatever it is. Right. Go to the strip club, you've got, you would go there, you would pay your house fee, which might be 
20 pounds might be 50 pounds it might be a percentage of your income yeah and then you make money back on top of that right okay that's interesting so the model of the strip club i never knew this i mean i knew there was some sort of arrangement with like the owners or the landlord or whatever but so every girl that strips in the strip bar pays some money to the fat guy behind the counter he makes a lot of money wow yeah and this thing about like obviously we're going to move in onto this in a bit but yeah. like what we do with Tees, which is um a virtual strip club that i'm part of now we run it as a co-op so basically we've been able to by going online be able to completely cut out like the middleman like cut out the strip club bosses because we get to keep all our ticket fees and all our tips and we split them between everyone involved so like yeah it's great we're not giving away any of our money yeah it sounds a lot fairer right yeah it is fair and that's how it should be and we have done that in real life before like the model that we kind of adapted it from is something called um brazilian wax which is a night in the vaults where there's a pop-up strip club and we kind of we would share all the profits for that so we did a we did that in february some of me and some of the other strippers that i know mm. for last year and then some of us from that have now become members of cybertees oh nice yeah that makes sense yeah but yeah like brazilian wax the woman who puts it on like it's um it's not just a strip club it's a cabaret show as well it has lots of different things going on she still has to pay the vaults for that and like kind of organize that with them but she what she does is she gives us the space that she is part of what she's rented out and then we have we would have free reign of that and then keep all the profits from that even even the door money from um them coming into that particular room because we had that particular room yeah like closed and people had to pay to come into the strip club. Yeah. Wow. So you're quite industrious with this then. Like, were you, did you also like run your own comedy nights as well beforehand? Uh, a bit. Like I've run a, a few here and there or like with a friend and stuff, but I would say I'm probably not that seriously. Right. Um, I think that actually I've become more serious about being a producer during lockdown because I've like um, starting Cyber Tees and Sexquisite Events, which is my other company. Yeah. Um, that when Maeve run, she founded it and I've now come on board with her. So we're co-artistic directors now. We've started, produce, we produced an online cabaret show um, in January. Yeah. Sex Workers. And we, we sold like, I can't remember how many tickets, but we sold quite a lot of tickets and we were able to pay the performers like a decent amount for their time. And like, I feel like in lockdown, I flourished as a performer and as a producer. Yeah, yeah. As, that's amazing that's i mean i've heard that there are challenges with promoting that sort of stuff online as well and i'd be interested to to pick your brains on like how you've managed to do it because aren't there sort of restrictions around like look if you if you're gonna have a show a burlesque very adult show where there might be you know boobs and fannies flying around how do you then promote that on something like facebook or Instagram without getting in trouble and banned and locked out like like they'll ban your whole yeah. fucking handset so like how do you make a success of it yeah lots of sex workers and burlesque performers have been shadow banned behind these platforms some people have had their accounts deleted with no reason yeah so you have to be quite careful about how much skin you show um sometimes it's just random like someone will report your account yeah like sometimes Instagram will notice things sometimes they won't um, we've also started, you know, not typing out the word sex workers anymore, which is really annoying, but yeah, just kind of like stay under the radar. So we will write sex, S 
star x workers or s-w-e-r-s that's a bit like have you have you have you heard this stuff about like tiktok accountants Yes, so a lot of um, like OnlyFans performers will say, "Oh, I'm an accountant." Yeah, yeah. And I was <laughs> like, "Oh, that's fuck!" Like, because it was like I saw this sort of alternative model who's based in Los Angeles, and uh, it, like she looks like somebody I would have gone out with, you know, like ten, fifteen years ago. So being the forty year old fucking IT geek I am now, I was like, "Oh, well, I'll follow her," and. Uh, um, and I saw in like one of her TikTok videos, she was talking about being an accountant. And I I was really impressed. I was like, well, that's really cool. Because I thought, you know, she was just doing a bit of modeling and like working in a cafe because all of her videos are her like serving people in a cafe. Can I, can I just interrupt you? Yeah. Like you say, oh, you know, I thought she was an accountant. That was really cool. But then I found out she was, a, <laughs> yeah. she was still just a model or performer. Like she's still a sex worker. But the thing is, is that we are accountants as well. Like yeah. we have to like manage all our expenses. We have to like you know manage our money ourselves we're self-employed we we have to do all that stuff so like we're multi-talented and like also i feel like society has given us this view that if you're an accountant oh my god you're so successful you became an accountant like well done yeah but like if you're on OnlyFans, like taking pictures of your amazing sexy naked body yeah no that's like that's not very respectable why would you do that but it's like actually I'm still hustling. It's just in a different way. You know, I'm making money. It just, I'm just using a different means to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. No, like, this is better than this. Or this is like, there's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Like, I was going to say, there's a sort of entrepreneurial, uh, like oh, lean to it, isn't there? Like it's, it's sort of like, it's, it's an easy go to slur to be able to say, ah, she's just getting a kit off. Yeah, it's easy money. And the knee-jerk reaction, I suppose, from somebody like yourself would be to be like, oh, it, is it easy? Okay, cool. Like, be my guest. Here's the stage. Like, here's the camera. You you fucking do it and try and get some, you know, recurring customers coming in. And The amount of time that goes into promo, the amount of time that goes into making content, like talking to your, mm. like, customers online and, like, keeping people interested. People don't realise how difficult it is. Mm. So, yeah, it's hard work. And, like, just, like, anything is hard work you have to put the time in people will see these success stories and be like oh my god this person made ten thousand pounds and only fans like that person is working like 40 hours a week on their only fans yeah and they got already got loads of followers on their social media from whatever maybe they were an influencer or something so like you can't kind of compare that to the average person and also you can't um talk about income as a measure of success so like um saying that it's only valid that you did this because you made all this money like even if you're a sex worker and you still only make like what would be the equivalent of doing minimum wage in a bar or something you've still got a job and you're still working and it's still valid so like i think we just have to question all the narratives surrounding sex work yeah and also like so something you've touched on there is this idea that yeah like money money makes the man if you like like whereas some of the biggest assholes i've ever met in my life have been rich and some of the most like you know diamond geezers if you like have been you know, work like working class. Like I grew up on council estates. I, I know a, a load of people who don't, you know, work in sort of high flying office jobs, or they're not lawyers, they're not doctors, etc. So, um, yeah, maybe we need to move away from that a little bit. Um, I was going to sort of touch on thing about like what your job is and like how much money you make, and it. Yeah, we definitely need to challenge that more. Yeah, I think it will get challenged though. I think like the next generation coming up. I think 
there's this idea of um like i was I was reading some blogs about this a few years ago about multi-hyphenates have you heard of that term no. no it's like so it would fit sort of quite well with someone like yourself like it's this idea oh, like- that um you know traditionally people would say oh i'm a factory technician or they would say i'm a car mechanic or i'm a programmer and now because of the gig economy if you like um yeah. like these kids today like what they're sort of forced into doing is like oh i can do two days a week delivery but they won't give me any more shifts of that so then i'll do two days a week driving an uber and so what they end up with is that this sort of i'm a I'm a Deliveroo slash Uber slash YouTuber slash like infl- like so they end up having a lot of like strings to their bow, and uh, like the the best example or or the person that I read about who made a success of it the, like the best was um, this girl who said she was fed up of doing like a nine to five job but it was like temp work it was in- insecure and uh, uh, and she ended up getting offered the job full time like as a permie. And she said, I want like 30K. And they said, no, the job only pays like 26 or something. And then she said, I tell you what, pay me 26 and I will work Monday to Thursday. And then she had every Friday off to focus on her like YouTube channel or whatever it was that she was trying to build up. And then when that got to a certain level, she was like, I'm only going to work three days a week now. So then she was like, and yeah, so the multi-hyphenate thing is like, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a temp one day, but then I'm a stripper the next day and then the third day i'll work yeah, on my youtube and I mean, yeah when you multi-hyphenated i didn't think what you meant at first and then i realized what you meant but like it's like yeah i'm a <laughs> i'm a comedian burlesque performer stripper mm. producer workshop facilitator writer like um do you know what i mean there's so many <laughs> yeah yeah i think do you think that's the thing with like creatives not to sound too pretentious about it but do you think we're sort of you know we're keen to dive into as many different pies as possible because i like i know i sort of get a, maybe a bit too carried away with stuff like where one minute i'm like yeah i'm gonna start a podcast and then the next minute i'm like yeah i'm gonna start my own like rival edinburgh fringe and then the next minute i'm like yeah i'll, I'll do that then i'll get back to my own stand up and you know do you think that's something with us where entrepreneurial and like it's another way of people seeing your stuff and seeing your work like if you just stick to one thing then you're limited to to that one thing but I also think for me personally when you have a creative brain I can't just stick to one thing I get ideas for all different things all the time I've got always got these crazy ideas in my head yeah so like some will be like oh I can write a joke out of that and then sometimes I'll have an idea and it's like that idea will only work as a burlesque routine so I'll have to make that into a burlesque routine and that will say what I want to say yeah so yeah I think it's good to be able to have like different mediums that you can convey your art with. Yeah, it's it's nice, isn't it? In a way, like some sometimes I think like, do you ever feel jealous of people who don't get that sort of constant? I'm trying to make, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. Yeah, it doesn't make okay, me sound like a pretentious absolutely. prick, but like, like, like you know a couple of times a day you think of an idea for something and then that's it. You are arrested. Like you want to work on it. You can't rest you can't be disturbed or disrupted because you just have to get this thing out of you and sometimes i think god it must be such a sweet life if you just you're just a gardener and you just fucking love gardens and that's it yeah. like but maybe you get really obsessed with gardens and then you're sitting there watching tv and then you come up with an idea of a different garden that you want to landscape and some flowers that you want to put together and i don't know garden is still kind of a garden is still a bit of a creative job yeah but i know i completely agree with you like sometimes it's overwhelming having all the these ideas but I think 
being creative is like both a blessing and a curse and like i wouldn't want it any other way but it is difficult to manage sometimes yeah yeah um i, I want to go back to uh uh adult entertainment and and the sort of like the history and and the trajectory that it is going um so we we talked a bit about stripping and moving into burlesque and uh you becoming a you're a artistic director now is that right at six exquisite events yeah and um so you you must have a sort of a rough feel of where you think adult entertainment is going and i'm sort of conscious of how um like porn over the last 10 20 years it's gone from like vhs to dvd to like torrents and porn hub uh and now I suppose what we're seeing is it move into that kind of only fans arena where um, traditionally there's this idea that like the actors or like the talent are being exploited right in in adult films. Um, but then only fans sort of takes that and turns it on its head in a way, doesn't it? Because it's like, well, I've been brought up to believe that all of these girls on Pornhub are all fucking heroin addicts that are just doing it for money and they're being exploited. But actually now there's this thing over here where like the girls are obviously doing it of their own free will and making a fucking gang of money. Like, so is that like, is that your perspective as well? Like, yeah. Um, so just to say, sorry, I didn't know what you were trying, you were trying to say earlier. Mm. So Sexquisite Events, we do workshops and events and we put on cabarets with sex worker artists. Mm. But the virtual strip club is called Cybertees. Um, and that's the one where we do like sexy online strip shows and we get people to come and watch and it's more like an online strip club. Okay. Um, in terms of sex work, I think that all work can be exploitative and all industries you'll have people who are um, exploiting the workers. Mm. So like even like a shop or an office or whatever, you will have the big bosses who are like making people work long hours or making people do things they don't want to do. And like that is kind of more of an analogy for like, I guess like really badly run porn production companies and things like Pornhub who are not necessarily getting everyone's consent or like doing things they don't want to do. Obviously OnlyFans is a platform where you have control over what you're posting. Yeah. And it's still perfect they still take 20 percent. they still shut down people's accounts without telling them it's still run by a man but like we're getting there it's like it's the first step within like being able to control and distribute our own content the way that we want to mm. and the thing is places like Pornhub is that um, a lot of the videos on there were uploaded without people's consent so like it's a real problem and Pornhub has been questions about about this a lot of times and they say no no we check every video and it's like I don't think they really do because there were some instances where like underage videos and like videos without consent were uploaded for a time there. Mm. And I think you should only be able to upload your own content, really. Yeah, it can't be that difficult for them either. Like, I mean, this is the thing that I always marvel at with with Twitter, where I'm like, how the fuck is it like 2021 and I can still create an anonymous account on Twitter, talk shit, like get get a tweet onto the trends like all of that should be restricted unless i have verified that i am in the place that i say that i'm in and like i get i understand some people might want to have their handle anonymous for whatever reason mm. um but i think the account itself should have to be verified that you are where you say you are um are where you say you 
are, as in like your your specific location. At, at the minimum in the in the country that you say that you're in, like uh, like if you're let's say that you're trans and you don't feel comfortable having that publicly known, uh, then I that sort of scenario I understand why you might not ha like then get verified and then everyone in your little Texan village knows mm. that you're the trans kid and you're like that sort of situation there really like i think the problem is is that things like twitter are great for like people to connect and people to talk to people they and be honest in a way that they can't always be like a lot of sex workers are not out a lot of trans people are not out and like you can kind of like have a different persona have a different handle have a different picture and you don't have to say who you are and i think that's great and it's like a really safe space for you to be able to talk about stuff mm. but I guess the problem is that when people hide behind these anonymous accounts and they're not posting positive things, they're not looking for their community, they're just doing it to troll people and to be bigoted, that's a separate issue. So it's like, this is like with anything, you have these rules and there are always people who will abuse the rules. Mm. So like, but like just because there were some people who abused the rules, it doesn't mean the rules are bad. No. It, Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree to a point. I think... The rules, the, it's not that the rules are bad, like the rules are obviously pretty good, mm. like with Twitter, if you read through the terms and conditions, which I have not, but <laughs> if, I, if I did, I'm sure that they would say stuff like, you know, you can't be abusive, you can't do this, you can't do that. But people obviously fucking do. So I yeah, think like, course. maybe it's not the rules that are bad, but the the enforcement around them and i feel like maybe it's the same with somewhere like pornhub i mean i haven't looked in in depth to their terms and conditions or, or some of the issues that they've got themselves into but i imagine that if they've got a problem with people uploading uh footage of girls without their consent um maybe underage girls uh i don't think like as a techie i know that it is possible to put in processes that i don't get rid of that issue yeah so if if they're not doing it then it's because either they don't care or their tech departments are fucking shit yeah well that, i mean the thing is is that some uh, adult sites their tech department is pretty shit if you ever looked at adult work which is like the campsite it's, right it looks like someone made it in the 90s and never updated it yeah it took me ages to work out how to like updates really easy things on my profile because it's just so badly <laughs> so um i can believe that some of these sites you know the tech's not there but yeah i i think you have a responsibility if you're running an adult site you have a responsibility to make sure that the content on that site is yeah you know you at least try and make sure that it you'd think that like the shame the shame factor would take over wouldn't you like not i'm not i don't mean like for the girls i mean like for the guys that are running those those sites i would i would think I like feel ashamed but like I, I i don't mean like shame as in like oh i'm running a porn site like that's fine i mean i've toyed with the idea i know, I know, no. but I, I mean people like that don't feel ashamed that they've not checked someone's content that they're putting this stuff out there that they're exploiting people this is how people get away with exploitation because they don't feel guilty or ashamed about it but they make people who are doing perfectly natural things yeah like sex work like consensual sex and that sort of stuff society makes us feel ashamed but it doesn't make the people who are exploiting other people feel ashamed but if you right let's let's play hypotheticals for a second if i'm joe blogs i'm a big fat mm. 57 year old seasoned it director and i decide 
a quick way to make some money is to set up footfetish.com. And the first three videos that are uploaded are by some anonymous user in the Ukraine. And all three of them are of underage girls. And let's say it's like, you know, they're like 13 year olds, like too young, like in, in unmistakably too young. And you would what I'm thinking is as me, the 57 year old IT director guy, I would be thinking I'd be worried. I'd be shitting my pants mm. that I was going to be some sort of social pariah through all my friends and family when my face ends up in the Daily Mail and it says like, you know, um, Portsmouth based IT director of child porn. So, like I would be thinking ahead i'd be like how can i restrict people from doing this and how can we stop stuff and verify it before it goes live on the you know so i'd think but what that would kick in like that bigger corporation it doesn't work like that anymore it's it's bigger than that it's like all these rich people who get away with stuff yeah not just one guy like in his basement being like oh no i can't have this on the internet oh no no i don't want to get done for this no. it's like a multi-million pound organization that has been going for a long time where it, they have so much money they don't care about these things they they have so many lawyers that they can just shut down all this stuff if they're going to get sued for something do you know what i mean it's beyond that point yeah it's that sort of um i, I can't remember the name of like the legislation but i remember watching a documentary talking about how corporations in america i think it was in the 60s or the 70s uh and they lobbied and successfully got it into the ledge books to say that a corporation is um, is not a suable like one person entity. It is just this thing. <laughs> so mm. it's like you can't sue a corporation in the same way. Like if, if somebody makes a mistake at the top of Coca-Cola, it's like, yeah, you can't send someone to jail for that because it's a corporation. Mm. Um, and I suppose it's the same with like with Pornhub or adult work or, or wherever is that it's just this entity it's just a thing that happens and yeah yeah i just i mean we need a platform run by sex workers for sex workers that runs really well and is really popular yeah and hopefully one day will exist well there you go i mean you can put your entrepreneurial spirit into that <laughs> i don't think it extends that far <laughs> no. so what at the very most I could do a, a, the tiniest bit of coding, but it would take me about 200 years to build a website like that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been thinking over the last few, like two or three weeks, I was having a chat with a developer I know, and we were talking about if there was a market for um, an OnlyFans clone, basically, but that one that didn't take 20% of the cut would take 10%, say, which is that feels like a more sort of... 0%. <laughs> well you gotta make money for like what's the point making it if like i think 10 percent is a more traditional figure for management you know like if you think i don't know it's difficult isn't it the thing is is because sex workers have had money taken off them for so long yeah it's really difficult to then be like yeah yeah we'll just agree to another thing that takes money off us whereas like I think another kind of company or another kind of thing that you're doing, it doesn't feel as exploitative, but I think it feels more exploitative because we have historically been more exploited because, mm. you know, there have been like pimps who have taken money off their full service sex workers for years and years and like strip clubs who've taken money off strippers. It's kind of like we gave our money now. We put, we've already done that. We've paid. Yeah. <laughs> we've paid our hands. 
we we deserve to not have to pay house fees anymore but i i get that like platforms have to make money and stuff i perhaps a better way would be to run it like more like a social media thing where um there's advertising and they make you make revenue that way rather than charging the sex workers to sign up to the site yeah you could have a sort of what only fans does do which is good is that um because it got forced to start asking people for VAT, is it makes the customer pay all that extra VAT, so we don't lose any money from that. So it could be that the customer pays the um, the levy for using the site rather than the sex worker. Is that... In fact, I thought... Is that not the case then? Like, I guess it's not if you're talking about that they take 20% of the cut, but the... 20% is not for VAT. It's that they take our 20% yeah. to make money. Site, but the VAT they take off the customer. So when the customer right. sends you money, they're actually so say I was charging ten dollars for something, the customer would actually pay eleven or twelve dollars, whatever, and then I would see like eight dollars of that. Yeah, or whatever. You see what I mean? Yeah, I see. I get it. Um, okay, so if if we look at OnlyFans as the sort of like the neo, uh, like the status of it currently of like adult entertainment of where it's come from and where it's at now where do you think adult entertainment is going to go for like online performers or like in-person performers like where how do you think that's going to progress over the next couple of years i don't know <laughs> I, have no idea. I, think, I think OnlyFans and that is sort of platforms will continue to grow and people will continue to work on them and i think this pandemic has made people you know, realise that you can just watch an online show at home, you can see things online, you know, without cyber tees, we can have performers from all over the globe mm. and you might be in London, but you can watch our show regardless. So it's like it has opened up that kind of avenue and there will always be people who want to sit home and watch sex work or watch shows and there will always be people who would rather experience that in person. Mm. So I think, you know, as like technologies and platforms innovate, it will just keep growing. Hopefully we'll stop getting pushback at some point from everyone who wants to censor us because there's no way to censor us. Like porn is like the biggest thing on the internet and it won't, you can't stop it. Wasn't there a new law like a couple of years ago, Theresa May's government brought it in, I think, to do, it was something to do with restricting porn, wasn't it? So basically the, the law is that if it's paid, um, if it's a paid porn site, so any sort of paid sex work, there are certain things that you can't show. Um, so like, and some of the things were really, some of the things were like, you know, extreme BDSM, that sort of thing. But some of the things were really ridiculous, like face sitting. Um, wow. Show female ejaculation. Really? Because, um, it might have pee in it, which doesn't make any sense. Because... <laughs> A, like, why not? But also B, um, they don't differentiate between the difference between squirting and female ejaculation, which are actually different things. Yeah. So female ejaculation comes from the vagina and it's more like a sticky kind of substance that is more like semen. And squirting comes like more from the urethra and it might have pee in it and it's a different kind of thing. So like, that's not actually female ejaculation. They were trying to ban squirting, but they didn't want to write squirting. So they write the wrong thing. Right. Um, yeah so basically those laws are in place like you can't really on OnlyFans you can't do any peeing videos and that sort of thing you can't, you're not supposed to do certain things right. and it will flag so um, because of like the BDSM thing 
if you type the word whip in, it won't let you type the word whip in. So you have to space it out. So if I want to sell my, my wax and whipping video, yeah. I have to like, like whip play or whipped with a star in it or whatever. Wow. So even on like OnlyFans, which is explicitly for adults and adults are paying for it, you still get censored. Yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And like, there's another thing on adult work that says you can't do any period play. So you can't like, which doesn't make any sense to me because there's no blood play. And I understand why there's no blood play because of like injuries and that sort of thing. So right. I kind of get that. But why can't we show having sex on our period or someone going down on us on our period or me getting fingered and having some period blood on my finger? What is so offensive about that when it's a natural bodily substance and yet you can show all the fucking male cum in the world yeah but you so period blood it's just but yeah. i love the idea that there's these guys you know logging on to only fans or logging on to adult work and you know they're scrolling through all of the all like all manner of stuff that you could find on those sites and everything's fine and then when it finally gets down to a girl with no clothes on and then a tiny bit of blood there then they're just like oh no come on no that's the line that's the line <laughs> close I the mean, laptop it's weird because like in my experience in real life like like some guys are a bit grossed out by it and some guys are like no nah, don't really care and then some guys are like yeah that's hot so like, there's a whole spectrum yeah of, like grossness to indifference to like fetishizing it but like you're not catering for that if you're not letting people do it but um it's a weird thing isn't it it sort of goes against and i also think that like eradicating it from porn kind of like it's not it's an ongoing cycle because once you eradicate it then you don't want to see it you don't want to see it in real life then you don't want to see it on porn then you can't show it on porn then you don't want to see it in real life then you can't show it in real life and it just keeps it perpetuates the stigma of periods yeah yeah. And it's uh, I, I was going to sort of say from a political standpoint, it kind of goes against weirdly. I mean, I know people would say, um, well, it's it's definitely a very conservative thing to sort of censor that sort of stuff. But actually, I would counter that if conservatism is all about making your own choices, self-responsibility, all of that stuff, then kind of it should be up to the free market. Like it should be up to me if I want to bust out a quick jerk <laughs> over about what conservatism actually means and i yeah. don't really know what it means because some conservatives want things to be censored and some conservatives want all the free speech so which one is it i don't know <laughs> in my experience they only want the free speech when it means giving clerks and like a get out of jail free yeah. card or you know I think if you and I, I also think there are a lot of liberals who who say that they're liberal, but they're not actually liberal, and they only want to be open-minded if it's something that they agree with. So I think everyone needs to be. I don't know. We need to the the, the words liberal and conservative have been like ruined basically by people, yeah. <laughs> and they don't really mean what they should mean anymore. No, yeah, they've sort of gone flipped reverse, haven't they? Um, like if you say liberal now. The, the first thing that le like leaps into my mind is people calling me or other people a libtard. Like, it's been mm. so stained and tainted, the word liberal, that it's like, what it should mean, by definition, is like, it, it should mean that you're open to ideas, like you're free thinking. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it almost doesn't anymore, and there's, like, some liberals who are definitely not like that. Mm. And it's like, 
then you're not liberal, are you? You're something else. Yeah. But that's a <laughs> that's a whole other political discussion. Yeah. Um, I, I want to sort of go back to like the future of because I I had an idea for a future product and I want to run it by you okay. as a as a future entrepreneur possible investor. So here we go, right? <laughs> Got me on the podcast it was just for yeah yeah this is just a glorified pitch uh so his his right and let me I'll, I'll preface this by saying i have no idea how to build this fucking thing but i think if i can find someone that codes in like c plus plus or whatever i think we could do it so you have a prosthetic vagina mm. that has like little sensors inside it and then i'm here and I push my penis inside it and it can tell the exact like to the millimeter where my junk is. And then on the other side of the planet, there's a penis, a robotic penis that then mm. listens to the like the movements and then replicates it perfectly. So then I can fuck someone on the other side of the planet just by the Internet. <laughs> mm. Do you think that would work? I like the idea of it. I just think that even if someone offered me that, I'd be like, I'll just get my vibrato and like I'll just put it on the bits that feel good. Like I'm I'm gonna do a way better <laughs> job than any any man. So like <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of it. I think it's a nice idea, but in reality I don't know. <laughs> it's I mean, I suppose you'd have to be getting I think, I think it thinks that like it it she it kind of like what's the word not assumes but like puts men as way better in bed than they actually are how dare you <laughs> i am a warrior <laughs> hashtag not all men yeah. i'm so sorry man and you're watching um yeah but yeah i, I see what you're saying like it's like it it sort of takes something that already works quite perfectly by itself and then wraps a man around it to say like <laughs> well thank god i'm here to fix this thing exactly yeah. exactly it's like no i was putting my vibrator in the right place why are you moving that way no don't move that way oh no up a bit oh no what are you doing oh my god yeah oh, I yeah <laughs> yeah actually i'm yeah it's sort of clarifying it now for me really what it's like is like a clumsy man operating a robot that he has no idea how it how it works <laughs> uh, for sure go for it go on dragon's Den and see what they say yeah yeah <laughs> i'll uh I'll, I'll bear that in mind. Um, okay, so, right, next question. Got another question for you. Um, this is where we get... So we're about sort of three quarters of the way through. So this is where it gets professional with actual questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is where it gets professional. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, so given that the shelf life traditionally of strippers and adult entertainers is quite short when compared to, like... A solicitor or a doctor or whatever um and i don't know if you saw did you see the news story about like the deep fakes with tom cruise no right so some guy this computer scientist has deep faked tom cruise uh to be doing magic tricks on tiktok and he's just like uploaded these videos and they're fucking amazing like they are i mean it I, I take great pride in sort of looking at deep fakes and just going like, yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. Like, you can't really, you can tell something's up. Like, but this is, I mean, it's great. It really is great. If I didn't tell you it was a deep fake, you would assume that it was a video of Tom Cruise about 10 years ago or whatever. Um, 
So let's assume that you have seen it or that you take my word for it, that deep fake yeah. technology is now at a point where you can actually recreate stuff like that. And if the shelf life of adult entertainers uh, and adult entertainers, strippers, porn stars and so on is reasonably short, would you consider, let's say 15, 20 years time, would you consider deep faking earlier versions of yourself to keep your only fans going? Yeah, I think the whole question is worded wrongly because it assumes that, you know, our attractiveness is going to decrease as we age and that we have to, like, hang off our stripper shoes at some point when actually that is not the case. And there was a market for sex workers at any age. You know, there were sex workers who are in their 50s and 60s and maybe even beyond, like, making content and having followers really and so i am like yeah. i'm not coming to this with, from a, a position of of totally, totally. Yeah. i think that's a massive assumption that you have to be young oh my god you have to be a hot teen to be a, a sex worker mm. it's like that's something that we have wrong in our, our society where we fetishize young very young looking women and as soon as a woman gets past a certain age it's like oh well you're you're done now like why don't you get a deep fake of yourself from 20 years ago and like yeah you know sometimes <laughs> You might look back on pictures of yourself when you're a bit younger and be like, oh, you know, I looked quite hot then. But I think as a society, we have to embrace us aging and embrace our different stages in our life. And like the, the worst thing about sex work and porn is that you're a teen until you're a MILF. But it's like we're so much more complex than that. Like we're <laughs> it's different. And the other thing I would say is that something we haven't touched on yet is that obviously most sex workers are women yeah but a lot of sex workers are men a lot of sex workers are trans and not all clients are also male so like we we have to like keep remembering that actually you know sex work is not just something that women do it's something that lots of people do and consumers are not just men as well okay so i mean is is that a no you wouldn't deep fake yourself or i don't know i don't think so <laughs> My brand is all about being authentic and being myself and like I, that would feel like not for me, but you never know what's going to happen in the future. You know, 10 years ago, I said I would never get any cosmetic surgery and now I've had lip filler and my eyebrows microbladed and like I'm sure really? as I get older, I will probably have more cosmetic treatments because yes, you people do want to look younger, but that's, you know, that's something that's my personal choice and that's not something that everyone should feel like they have to do yeah, in order yeah. to stay attractive in our society okay all right cool i i will just uh add a um can't think of the word now add an add-on to that and just say yeah i mean i did say this wasn't very professional <laughs> no it's fine and the thing is just that you asking these dumb questions is like actually really good because you know the average person doesn't know that much about sex work and doesn't always think this way about things they just see what they've seen from watching porn you see what you've seen from a sex worker in a tv show once but like yeah okay to like ask these questions as long as you're open to being educated about about them. yeah i mean this is one of the things i, d I don't know if you ever met ishan akbar yeah, no, yeah? Ishan, yeah, yeah um I remember sort of asking him questions about race and his background and stuff. And I used to sort of say to him, like half jokingly, but, you know, a lot of truth is said in jest and all that. And yeah. I used to say, like, I hope you don't ever think that any of my chat or like talk is uh, offensive. Like I'm genuinely just curious yeah, yeah. and I'm 
like I said to you, like I'm not coming from a position that is anything other than ignorance here. I just want to know, just want to ask questions and find out more. It's all about intent and like how you come up and like, you know, obviously I know you're not just wanting me to expose my trauma on the Sure, yeah, yeah. Genuinely interested in giving sex workers a platform to talk about our work and I think that's really that's really useful and more people should be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um okay, so I mean if we look at so where you started and then you uh you moved into comedy and now the pandemic has sort of uh, allowed you to flourish and and um build your um your like your online presence and i know that you're very vocal on twitter and uh, about sex worker rights <laughs> and um so after let's assume that the pandemic does all die down and we're all back out getting smashed on june the 22nd um what do you think the next couple of years is going to look like for you are you going to sort of go more into sort of burlesque adult entertainment and then you know the getting sex workers involved in um, or, or giving them more opportunities are you going to go down that route or do you think you'll go back more aggressively into the stand-up stuff i think i just i've seen them all as connected and i want to do both so like even with sex visit events mm. i'm like the resident host so i do like i will do comedy while i'm hosting the events um i want to do lots of performing lots of putting on shows and like you know there'll be different times in my life where i would devote more energy to different things mm. and then sometimes i might come back around and then work on a different project but I see myself as like yeah being a real entrepreneur and doing that and then like obviously you know on the side I'll be doing OnlyFans to try and get some money and stuff but like yeah OnlyFans is not like that my passion it's something that I do for a bit of extra money and it can be fun yeah but like we also have to bear in mind that sex work is not always fun and and sometimes it's quite hard work sometimes it's quite a lot of emotional labor yeah yeah it's just kind of like mixing between where the money is and where the creativity is and finding where they overlap and that sort of thing i feel like but i definitely like i think being an activist is something that's really important to me now and something that i want to mm. you know like make art about and kind of like put the word out there i read a thing um a while ago i think it was in the guardian by Rupert Everett, I think it was. Okay, bit random. Yeah, where he was talking about sex workers in Soho, and he was saying um, uh, how there was this basically there was this fight for Soho apartments and land and stuff um, uh, under the guise of uh, hammering down on sex trafficking or like people trafficking, and basically his point was that. Um, these girls were getting turfed out of places in Soho and they were doing raids on strip clubs and so on. Um, but they were trying to make it look as though they were saving these poor innocent girls who had been trafficked. I this. Do you want me to talk? Yeah, or? please. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what the police did is that they went to all these kind of walk up places. Um, they interviewed each individual worker and actually the workers weren't doing anything wrong because they were in their own separate kind of like rooms or separate buildings. Yeah. Um, is technically legal obviously brothel keeping is technically illegal in the uk but they said oh you know is there anything we can be doing to help you blah blah blah. how did you work blah blah blah. and these workers told the police everything and the police used that information to shut down every single one of these walk-ups um they there was only one that they weren't allowed to shut down and the one that they couldn't shut down i think had a different judge 
Right. Okay. And so, is it, like, am I misremembering this? I don't know. <laughs> am I? But yeah. Am I misremembering it if I say that wasn't it something to do with like property where there? Oh, yeah. They wanted to build property. They closed down Madame Jojo's, which is a massive like um, cabaret burlesque venue. And they just they shut it down because they wanted to like just build property in that area and destroy the history of Soho as being somewhere for like fun and adult entertainment and that kind of stuff. And like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? And it's and it's it really makes you not trust the police at all. Yeah. Like you're gonna the thing is what they do is they say that it's sex trafficking as a way to shut it down but they don't distinguish between sex trafficking and consensual sex work which are two very different things mm. very different yeah and it's like like what is the end goal there for london as well like i mean i know that sounds harrowing like if you're a sex worker and then you suddenly lose your uh your, your yeah. place of work and you're forced out onto the street which nobody wants to see that but they were there. people knew where to go for them so now they've got a like set up a whole new place, mm. like get tell their clients to go to a different place, maybe work out of out of their home or only do out calls or work with someone else, like work out of someone else's place. So like, it's just really disorientating. And the fact is that they could appeal that decision. Yeah. But by the time they appeal, it's already been too late. They've already lost the premises and they're already kind of on the back foot. So it's like almost no point. And they, the people in charge know that and they know that they have the power. Yeah. And then, like, I, I think almost if you zoom out, as as a guy who lived in London for six years, I, I saw London change in the time that I lived there. Um, and I know that this isn't the greatest tragedy of all of them, but uh, when I first moved to London, Camden was still quite cool. Like, it was a, a fun, quite gothy, artsy place to hang out. And by the time I left, it was a, a fucking bin of i love london vomit and just the, the worst just tat like touristy tat everywhere like and i remember thinking I, th I think when i first moved there it was all like you know the libertines and amy winehouse and you know that whole kind of scene going on and there was a buzz to it uh and then it just became like a parody of itself it was like yeah you can come to this shop and buy a sex pistols t-shirt and then you go to like two shops down same sex pistols t-shirt or madness t-shirt or whatever um and it, it was getting like that with hackney as well like hackney used to be super cool and then it became a parody of itself and then the same thing will happen with soho like somebody will do a property deal off the back of poor, like turfing these poor girls out um and then everything will just become another prep and a shiny office building or can I just ask that you call them women rather than girls? Like, I'm obviously, sorry. yeah, it's fine. Like, I used to work the term girls sometimes, and like, you know, you might talk about the girls at work at the strip club, but like, I just think we have to get more into the habit of of calling adult women women rather than calling them girls because I don't think we do that with men. I think as soon as a man, someone like a man is eighteen, it's like he's a man. Well, yeah, like early twenties, probably. I mean, 35, you know. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's it like? I was thinking about this the other day about how much it annoys me when the one guy in the group comes over to the other guys in the groups in the group and then says, well, how are we doing, boys? Like that. It Like it irks me. So it's because he's trying to seize control, isn't it? He's like, he, he's like, I want to be an alpha. I'm going to call them all boys. Yeah. yeah it's like sort yeah. of condescending. -y. So it's, I don't know. Maybe. Well, no. How it feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's interesting watching the dynamic of like groups of men in the strip club because yeah they will kind of like try and do their alpha male type thing and like one of them will think it's really funny to say that their friend is gay like yeah like that's that the funniest thing or or they'll think it's really funny to say that they're gay when they're not actually because they don't want to go for a dance or one of them will say to one of the other ones he's my dad yeah and, and then it's not even his dad and i'm like oh my god why did we get this reputation that men are so funny where did this come from yeah <laughs> but then it's is it like the sort of without sounding snobby is it is there a certain type of man that is like that man that's like that or boy I don't know. I is there a certain type of boy that's like that maybe maybe i maybe. i know I'm men who maybe you're you know as a comedian obviously your humor's a bit more advanced but i'm i guess i'm talking about the average yeah yeah i like that you put me somewhere outside of average i won't ask you exactly where um okay so we're we're running out of time a little bit so i'm just going to ask you some some quick fire uh, i love quick fire muck raking questions so here we go uh what's the last thing that you did that you really wish you hadn't I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, next. Okay. Um you're on OnlyFans. You've been yeah. you've been on there for how long? Uh since May last year. Cool. If, uh if you want to follow me, it's at April Fiasco. Cool. Nice plug. Um <laughs> uh, foot fetishes. How yeah. how many men percentage wise would you say are into feet? Only one of my fans is into feet. Really? Or, or- expressed an interest in feet and tip me for feet and asked specifically for feet fascinating because i'm sort of led to believe that it like there's quite a lot of men like it's never really they just not necessarily come to me because i'd i would not make a thing of having my feet out but occasionally i'll do a few cute feet pics and people are you know one person will message me about them but like because i'm not a specific foot fetish only fans person yeah. i'm not getting all the foot fetish people there's someone else who's only posting foot fetish foot pics who's getting all those fans you know what i mean okay cool so maybe what we do after this is we thrash out a a model and a, a financial plan for like only feet <laughs> okay all right. uh right next question question um so they say that whatever fetish you can think of it already exists somewhere on the internet, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Has there ever been anything that someone has asked you for where you've gone, no, that is too weird. That is off the charts. I had one guy in OnlyFans who asked me to do like um, a JOI video, which is jerk off instruction, where you're just like chat, talking dirty and then they went to it. Um, and he was like, can you pretend to, that we're brother and sister? And I was like, no. <laughs> and I, lit- I actually typed in the chat, um, I, I don't do inter- incest play, and OnlyFans wouldn't let me type the word incest. Wow. So I, had to, I don't do family play. I love the fact that their their algorithm like censors you for saying no to it rather than him. Interesting, isn't it? It's, it's the word. It's not the context. Yeah. God, they're always, they're always oppressing the sex workers. I know. How dare they? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not up, uh, not up in this. Like. That's it's good to, good to hear that. <laughs> uh, okay, and then last question: What is on your playlist right now? Oh, my playlist. If you opened up your Spotify or your iTunes, uh, probably the um, 
Cyber T slumber party playlist because we just did a show called Slumber Party mm-hmm. and all the songs were about like dreams and sleeping and like we had like oh what's that famous slumber party song by uh, I can't say the name Ashikino no idea I'm no I'm showing um, how and then I I danced to um Dream a Little Dream of Me by the Mamas and Papas oh that's nice thank you <laughs> ironically I think one of the singers from that was done for incest wasn't he. You just made that. No, up. I'm serious. Like, <laughs> this is so perfectly timed after what you just said. No, I'm no, serious. It was like one of the singers for it. Like, they, it turned out that he had had. I think I'm right in saying this. He had had a kid with his daughter. Like, he'd been like fucking doing all sorts with his own kid. Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, my God. There we go. No way. Hmm. Well, um, I'm sorry to leave it on that slightly down note. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's been educational for both of us now. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, and, yeah, if anyone wants to, to catch up with Carmen, then um, she's on Twitter at Carmen Alley or April Fiasco. And No. no? <laughs> can, I, my, can I do my own part? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you crack on. <laughs> My my um Twitter is actually at C A underscore A F. In on Instagram it's at Carmen Jean Alley and um also at April Fiasco. But if you Google Carmen Alley or April Fiasco, I will come up and you will find all my links and all my things. Um and if you also follow at Cybertees underscore on Twitter or Instagram and at sexquisite.events on Instagram. Perfect. And you can donate crowdfunder for sex thank you i'm so happy that you did that because you did it way more professionally than i did uh <laughs> cool okay babes <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much cheers thanks for having me eh? bye <laughs>